From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. On the show today, we are talking all about how to know when it's time to refer someone you're supporting. And this conversation, I've had this a lot with people, and it can be really hard to navigate. People are looking to you for support, but you only have a limited amount of resources, skills, and capacity to support people. As supporters or ministry leaders, people often think we have the answers to some of life's most challenging issues. Like as a social worker, I would often laugh when I got a referral for someone. It was like they thought I had a magic wand or something. These referrals would ask if I would help someone find housing, support them with recovery from addictions, and to help them cope and uh, overcome mental health struggles that prevents them from working. And I was asked to do this all within three to six months. As caregivers, the expectations others have on us are clearly just not realistic. And when working with people who have high needs, it is common to work with others as a circle of care or wraparound network rather than doing everything alone. In this episode, I'm going to identify three types of supporters, their skills and expertise that they bring to support, as well as identify seven signs that indicate that it's probably time to refer or perhaps bring in other supporters. As well, I'm offering a free download. This is a free e-booklet called Three Steps to Building a Sustainable Care Ministry. In this booklet, I provide a chart template of different kinds of resources that you can find with within your community. Use this template to build your list of care partners so that when you need to refer someone to further support, you already have a list of people that you've created that you can draw from. I'm going to link to that download booklet in the show notes, but you can also get it at hopemadestrong.org slash care ministry. It doesn't matter if you are a friend or neighbor, or if you're a clinician, there are times when the support you offer is not able to meet the needs of the person you are supporting, or they may impact you personally and you need to refer people to receive support from others. Referring to new or additional support is not a sign that you are lacking, but that you are offering the best possible care for the person seeking support. Referring someone is not a rejection, uh, it's not a sign of failure or lack of skills. You are insightfully recognizing that the person is needing different support than what you can offer. You are providing the best level of care, the highest level of care possible, by connecting them to the most appropriate support possible. Some people think that you only refer to others when you don't have the skills or you're not able to do it. But there are times when those with the highest level of skills bring in other supports so that they are able to provide the best possible outcomes. Referring to people is not a failure. It's not laziness. Referring people is ethical. It's appropriate and it's a sign of strong insight. 
But let's start with identifying three types of supporters. Number one, professional. These are clinicians offering treatment. Two, pastoral or or coaches. These are non-clinical supporters who have additional training in a specific area. And three, peers. Those who offer support from out of their lived experience. And all three types of caregivers have value and contribute to a care team. But I want to go a little bit deeper. So let's start with professionals. And some people get mixed up with all the different names of the clinical caregivers. So at the risk of maybe oversimplifying these roles, I do want to differentiate each one. So we're going to start off with primary care. These are the family doctors or the nurse practitioners. These people are the MDs that you that you see. They often uh, follow people, provide medication. Occasionally they diagnose, but when diagnosis for a mental health disorder is needed, they often refer those to more specialists. And those more specialists are called psychiatrists. These are people who have a special, they have an MD, they have specialized training uh, in mental health, and they often uh, see people for consultation. So maybe just one or two appointments so that they can diagnose. Or on occasion, they provide ongoing support and they see people every three, possibly six, maybe even nine months of people are doing well. The primary tool that they use is medication. They monitor symptoms, they monitor, and they monitor side effects. So the next person is psychologists. So we had MDs, psychiatrists. Now we have psychologists, and these are people who have PhDs, and they offer uh, specialized therapy, often in trauma or addictions work, and they focus on talk therapy. While the psychiatrist focuses on medication, the psychologist focuses more on talk therapy. The next type of support offered is a psychotherapist, or sometimes people just identify as therapists or perhaps counselors. These are mental health professionals, often with master's degrees that specialize in talk therapy. While a psychiatrist does medication, psychologist does more intensive therapy, um, psychotherapists identify are, are mental health professionals that specialize in more ongoing support or talk therapy. And then the final type of professional support are social workers. And depending on the region and licensing requirements, social workers have a bachelor's or a master's degree, and they often have many certificated training, something like trauma therapy or addictions therapy or EMDR or DBT or CBT. Oftentimes, uh, social workers are more generalist in that they provide case management, supportive counseling, advocacy, and crisis work. If you are referring to an agency or a community organization, then you are more likely connecting with a social worker. Almost daily, these clinicians are referring and bringing in other specialists to support the people that they have. Uh, I can't tell you how many times as a social worker that a psychiatrist thanked me for my support work and attributed growth to our collaborative work with the, per- with the individual, even though the psychiatrist had many more degrees and authority in the mental health space. They, we, the work that we were able to do collaboratively really led to the person's recovery. And this is quite common in the professional space. There's a value and they rely on each other's skills and strengths and specialties to offer support to people so that recovery and health and, and well-being is achieved. So that is a general description of professional supports. And the next type of supporter are pastors or coaches. And these are people who have specialized training in very specific areas. For example, in maybe a outside of the church space, these 
coaches could be um, an employment coach, sports coach, or or maybe uh, a, a dietitian or a nutritional nutritionalist. These are people who are experts in their very, very narrow field. Now, this isn't someone who went for away for a weekend and got a certificate. These are people who are who are experts in their narrow field. For example, I wouldn't go to a employment coach or a job coach to ask about how to reach my fitness goals. These have they have a specialized narrow field where they are experts in. Support work with pastors and coaches is often focused on a specific goal and it usually is time limited. And pastors are great members and coaches are great members of a circle of care. They're able to give specialized support in a specific area, freeing up the supports to tend to other needs. In the church context, pastors are able to focus on offering spiritual direction on a specific issue while allowing others, for example, a psychologist, to focus on processing and healing from trauma. There is room for collaboration. Just because a pastor or a church refers to therapy doesn't mean there isn't room for their support as well. In fact, I actually would really recommend that the different types of support come together to provide wraparound support or a circle of care around a person. Okay, so the third type of support are peers. Peers are really anyone who utilizes their lived experience to support others. There is a spectrum of peer support, and it can range anywhere from friendship all the way to professional peer supporters who are employees in clinical settings using their lived experience to offer support and hope. People are actually more likely to seek out support from peers. For example, new moms are more likely to reach out to other moms for advice and support rather than going to their pediatrician. Yes, there are times when parents will go to their pediatrician for support and advice, but on a day-to-day basis, parents are looking for support or asking questions or seeking advice from other parents. Talking to someone who has been through similar struggles has and has overcome them is incredibly powerful. Research is telling us that those who have peer support, in addition to clinical support, have better recovery outcomes than clinical support alone. Those who offer peer support can sometimes feel limited in their ability to refer. They either don't know who to refer to or really feel that they are able to, uh, they have the ability to connect people to other supports. In a church setting, peers are small group leaders, their prayer team members, their hospitality volunteers, or they're even leaders of volunteer teams. People come to them looking for advice and support. And while they want to help people with their these issues, it can be really overwhelming. At times, this friendly support can become heavy, and it's hard to identify when it's time to refer. So here are seven signs that tell you when it's time to refer. Now, each of these signs can be used by any type of supporter, whether you're a professional, a pastor, or a peer. These are general signs that indicate that you either need to transfer support to a different person or bring in additional support to be part of the circle of care. So the first sign is that you are personally triggered. And I talk more about this in depth in my course called Finding Hope in Helping. This is a self-guided program for those who are struggling with burnout and compassion fatigue. Those in helping professions, whether it's pastoring or counseling, or even if you're volunteering in a church, we often choose this work or or are led to supporting others because we have experienced difficult times or have been a recipient of support and just want to give back. 
But even though we feel called and find great fulfillment and purpose in this work, how we respond to others is impacted by our past experiences. Whether we were told negative messages like we're never good enough and when we were going up. So now we struggle with measuring our worth by others' opinions. Or maybe we have come from a broken home, so we feel compelled or we need to help everyone so they don't feel abandoned or rejected. Now, this doesn't qualify you. Having difficult or challenging times in your past, it doesn't disqualify you. In fact, I think it could be a great strength because that's what peer support is. It's offering hope of overcoming challenges challenges. However, awareness is key. Having healthy boundaries is necessary so you can honor your skills and experience and ensure longevity in your support work. When you find that your work or the people you're supporting is reminding you of your past, or you feel compelled to help a person because of something that you have experienced, this is a sign that it may be time to refer to a new supporter. This response or reaction is often a signal that you need to tend to your own needs. And there is no shame in that. We are all human. We've all come from challenging experiences. But if you are personally triggered by the stories or the situations that you are hearing about, it's healthy and helpful and best for you to connect the person seeking support with someone else. So the second sign that tells you when it's time to refer is when the person you're supporting has case management needs. Okay, so have you ever gone out for coffee with someone thinking they just needed to vent or talk through a situation only to discover that they are facing challenges in multiple areas of life? Finances, kids, relationships, mental health, addictions, trauma, they go on and on and on. And finally, they take a breath look up at you desperate for hope and help. When you're supporting a person that has multiple issues going on at the same time, this is a signal that you need to bring in another person into the circle of care. You are only one person. You can't help someone through all of these issues or problems. As a pastor or a peer, communicate to the person they need to connect with others. Encourage them to speak to their family doctor. Together, side by side, call a community organization. Invite other people into the conversation. Be clear on what you are able to offer support in and what you're not able to offer. This creates healthy boundaries for you and manages the expectations of the person. These types of conversation are really challenging and and sometimes they need to happen on the second or third appointment, not immediately after someone spills their guts, but after you've had a time to reflect and, and really think about what support this person would be best suited for. But by referring these people's needs to those who are best suited to support them, it offers the best possible care and it prevents burnout and compassion fatigue in yourself. The third sign is when you feel like you're giving advice or you need to research. We're all familiar of the overwhelmed feeling that comes when someone asks for advice or support in an area that we know very little about. (laughs) Initially, we can feel the responsibility to research and discover how to best support this person in this issue. However, I feel that this is the sign that you need to refer. Bringing in someone else isn't a isn't identifying that you don't know 
what you're doing. You have amazing skills. You are gifted. But it's actually a sign that this is an opportunity that you can learn alongside this person. When you refer to someone else who specializes in this area and then walk alongside that person, you do that as an encourager and as a supporter. This type of support is incredible and often leads to quicker recovery. If you feel that the support request is outside of your area of expertise, that is a sign that you need to refer or to bring someone else into the circle of care. The fourth sign is if there is safety concerns. If there is a concern for safety, this is a clear indication that people need further support. People have told me that they don't want to break someone's confidence or they made a promise not to tell others about their situation. Well, first of all, never promise that. And second of all, safety is priority. If someone is in imminent danger, like they're actively suicidal, there's child abuse happening or domestic violence, please call emergency services, call the police, call EMS, call 911. Then you get the ball rolling in engaging support in the community resources. It is very important to ensure that people are safe. Then if you have safety concerns that are not imminent, then I encourage you to contact crisis lines, calling the person's doctor or reporting your con- and reporting your concerns or bringing in other supports. This is absolutely necessary. You cannot be responsible for other people's safety alone. That is too heavy a burden and it's not good for you or the other person. Now, the fifth sign that you need to refer is when you are in a season of rest and you're needing boundaries. And I speak about boundaries and needing rest in the course called the Caregiver Toolbox. And this is a course that offers strategies and training for lay leaders on how to care for others. In this course, I talk about the impacts of caregiving and the need for boundaries and rest. It is healthy. It is healthy and necessary for you to have times of rest and to refuel as a caregiver. But we all know that people don't stop having problems just because we need a rest. (laughs) And wouldn't that be nice? So when you are in a season where you are resting and you are refueling, you need to refer people to other supports. Hold that boundary. You can do this. It can be very uncomfortable for you. You're called to serve and you're really good at it. So you want to help people. But let me tell you, if you don't refuel, you will burn out. You will feel those negative impacts of compassion fatigue and slowly lose your ability to empathize and you'll become numb and resentful. So please, it's not if, but when you are in those seasons of refueling, this is absolutely a time to refer to other supporters. And the sixth sign of when it's time to refuel is when the person has specific treatment goals or specific outcome goals. When I describe the three types of supporters, professionals, pastors, and peers, you can see how each one has a specific skill and has value to offer. If a person comes to you but would more appropriately be served by one of the other types of supporters, you should refer them or at least bring them into the circle of care. If you are a peer and someone wants to work on addictions, connect them with a social worker with addictions experience. If you are a pastor and they're needing support from someone who's gone through a similar situation, refer them to a peer. If you are a therapist and they're questioning on how their faith plays a role in their life, refer them to a pastor. You can't be all things to all people, but you can ask curious questions to find out what they are looking for and then connect them to the right person to provide that type of support. 
Okay, the seventh and final sign that it's time for you to refer is when issues are impacting someone's activities of daily living. The phrase activities for daily living might be new for some of you, and it's often used in the acronym ADLs. And ADLs refer to the daily needs that someone has, and this could be cooking, shopping, attending appointments, and transportation. Really, it's those daily things that happen in someone's life so that they can live their life. And so often I see churches rallying around an individual to help them with these chronic issues only to become exhausted. Now, there are many situational times when helping with meals or errands are needed. And this is like after a surgery, a death in the family, or a new baby. But when these needs become chronic or long-standing, I encourage churches to look to the community for these types of supports. Often communities, there are programs that help individuals remain living at home while getting support for their ADLs. Then the church can do what it does best, support people through relationships, connections, spiritual guidance, and and the, and the volunteers then don't get worn out and weary trying to meet all of these high-level ADL needs that someone would have. It can be hard to know when you should refer someone to other supports. I hope that describing the value that different supporters offer and these seven steps that indicate when it's time to refer or expand the circle of care shows you referring to someone to additional supports happens on a regular basis. This is a normal practice to have. You can't be all things to all people, despite what people expect. So referring to someone is something that happens very often, very regularly. In the Bible in Exodus 18, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, is visiting Moses in the wilderness and witness Moses sitting as judge with the people all around him from morning to evening. Anyone can, you know, relate to that, solving people's problems from morning to evening? Yep, me too. (laughs) Jethro asked Moses, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? And this is my paraphrase. Moses answered, it's because the people come to me. Moses was sitting, sitting, judging the disputes of the people because they looked to him as the leader. This was an expectation of his role. Jethro's reply to Moses is absolutely incredible. He put Moses in his place, but gave him so much wisdom. Jethro said, what you are doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out for this thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Jethro identifies that Moses and the people would become worn out, not because the job wasn't necessary, but because Moses was doing it alone. Jethro described that the job of hearing problems all day is being too heavy. Amen to that. Moses, a man who was able to lead the Israelites to freedom and was used by God to perform miracles, was not able to solve problems all day by himself. I think this is a Selah moment. As caregivers, we can feel isolated in our support work. We're tempted to meet all the needs of those in front of us. This could be our own expectations, or perhaps it's people asking us not to tell anyone or expecting this of ourselves, expecting this from us. But serving alone and helping people all the time is not good. It's just too heavy. So I encourage you to download that free booklet. Take some time to fill out that community list of services chart so that you have people to refer to. As a caregiver, it is good to regularly transfer care to others as well expand the circle of care for someone else. 
So I encourage you to put what you've heard into action today. How are you going to be intentional about building this culture of care, both for yourself and as well as for others in your church and community? I hope what you've heard today was helpful. I would love it if you could write a review. This will help others find the podcast more easily. And if you want to be notified when the next podcast goes live, I encourage you to push that follow button up top, that plus sign up top, and then you could be notified. Thanks for connecting. Take care.